everybody wants to be popular, don't they? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, not me, but actually we all like to be liked, don't we? We may not want public fame and popularity, although some might, but even still, I think it's natural to want to be popular. Let me explain myself. If you're married, you want to be popular with your spouse. We feel loved when they choose us over other things. If we've got children, we want them to like us. And with our friends, we want to fit in. And you know, we could probably take it further with people that we'd like to be popular amongst. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being popular or wanting to be popular, as long as it's within the right places and we don't find ourselves doing things that perhaps we know we shouldn't do just to gain that popularity. Someone we're always popular with is God, and he's the one that we should really want to be popular with. Above anybody else, we need to make sure we're doing what God wants us to do, irrespective of what people think. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says, Yes, God is working in you to help you want to do what pleases him. Then he gives you the power to do it. But popularity with God doesn't always equate to popularity with people. Responding to what God wants us to do can be hard. I can remember when we were responding to God's calling into officership. A good friend of mine couldn't understand what we were doing and was very vocal in her opinions. I had to remember that she didn't understand what we were doing and keep my peace. And we continued to be friends even after we'd moved into the training college. When we look at Jesus' ministry, we see how his earthly ministry was carried out to please God rather than man. In the opening verse of our reading, we read about the first year of Christ's ministry and his preaching and popularity. People were talking about Jesus and what he was doing and what he was teaching. People wanted to be with him. They wanted to hear what he had to say and he was gaining quite a following. He was getting popular. So in Jesus' first year of ministry, he performed some miracles, fed a lot of people, healed some others, preached some parables, and now in verse 15 of our reading, he was teaching in the synagogue. It was all these things that had gained Jesus his popularity, but it will also be all these things which later on earn him a lot of enemies, in particular his teaching. You know, everyone loves a free meal and enjoys a miracle or two, and a good story brings a smile to most people's faces. But teaching the word of God, which can and does challenge the thinking and behaviour of those hearing it, can cause upset. And this is what happens with Jesus. You know, in our verses, Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth, and he preaches from the book of Isaiah. And he tells those gathered that the prophecy that Isaiah spoke about will be fulfilled in him. And it provokes a reaction that we'll see in the coming verses. You know, it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue to teach. Similarly, similarly to our church or core today, the main purpose of the synagogue was to teach people the truth of God's word. And it was an all-day event to be at the synagogue. Different men would stand up and read a text, and then they would sit down and explain it to those who heard it. And this would happen at least seven times. The Sabbath was a day for rest and for reflecting on God's word. 
and so these services would take up most of the day. Jesus stands and reads a passage from the book of Isaiah and our reading tells us what those verses were in Luke chapter 4 and verses 17 to 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now those verses can be found in Isaiah 61 and verses 1 and 2. And it's thought that those verses, those few verses, were not the whole reading that Jesus preached from, but that Luke just pulls out the highlights or the main focus that Jesus taught on that day. Jesus told his listeners that this prophecy from Isaiah was what he was here to fulfil. And I guess we can reflect that what he said he was going to do, the New Testament shows us that he did it. He certainly proclaimed good news to the poor. Now, poor here isn't only a reference to those who are financially hard up or lacking in physical things. He was referring to the spiritually poor, as Jesus referred to in his Sermon on the Mount. Those poor in spirit. And to be honest, that can be all of us, can't it? From the wealthiest millionaire to those experiencing destitution, we can all experience being spiritually poor. And yet the good news of eternal life through faith in Christ is for us all. Jesus also proclaimed freedom for the prisoners. And again, he isn't talking about those serving physical prison sentences. Jesus was talking about freedom from the things that enslave us. But we know that in Christ we are set free. But you know, many of us still walk around as if we are slaves. We ask for forgiveness, but we don't believe that we've received it. We may have an issue that we're praying into, and because we don't get an immediate release, we hold on to the belief that we're not free in Christ. But that simply isn't true. Jesus came to set us free. We can read in the New Testament that Jesus both physically and spiritually gave sight to the blind. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that unbelievers are blinded today by the things of the world. But Jesus came to give sight back to those who were blind and spiritual understanding to those who walked in darkness. I discovered that the word oppressed can also be translated as bruised. It gives the idea of being battered, broken down and mistreated in life. Jesus said he came to set the oppressed free. So maybe you've been feeling oppressed, or rather shattered, overlooked, downcast, exhausted and ready to quit. Take heart. Jesus came to set you free. And he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And then Jesus says that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I read that this was a reference to the Jewish year of Jubilee, a year when all debts were forgiven and all land was returned to its original owner. Everybody got a brand new start. And of course, a fresh beginning is what we can all get with Jesus. We are a new creation in Christ, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. 
So what Jesus has said so far has been really encouraging and is well received with a positive response from his listeners. They were amazed at his teaching and marvelled at the words he spoke because he spoke with such authority. Well, most of his listeners anyway. In verse 22, some people seem to realise who Jesus is and become critical. They remember Jesus as a boy and growing up and they seem to have difficulty in reconciling their memories of Jesus then and the great teacher sat in front of them, the one who was sent by God to teach the word of God to them. It seems Jesus is losing his popularity. The crowd want a sign to prove he is who he states to be and so he turns back to scripture and refers to Elijah and Elisha, reflecting that they went to Gentiles because the hearts of the Israelites were too hard to receive them. And for these people to hear that two Gentiles, a widow and a leper, were the people who received from God rather than the needy Israelites is hard for them to hear. Basically, Jesus is challenging his listeners to deal with their heart issues, their dislike of the Gentiles. He's basically saying that if they don't repent, they will miss out on the blessings he has in store for them. And that message is the same for us today. Jesus' first listeners went from praises to wanting to see Jesus dead. But are we any better? We may not physically be able to go to church right now, but have there been times in the past when we've gone to church, we've said our prayers, we've listened to the sermon, and then we've come out and metaphorically murdered someone with our words and opinions. It might be a challenge, but could also be worth thinking on. The message of Jesus never changes. The blessings offered to those who receive him are the same today as they were when Jesus walked the earth. And the challenge is the same too. Get popular with God. It may not always be easy, but it will certainly be a life worth living. God bless you. Let's pray together. Father God, the challenges of this life are often hard, but you promise to be with us in everything we face. Help us to be thankful that you always meet the needs of our hearts and help us to accept the positive message of Jesus and to show that in our everyday lives so that people want to know what's different about us. Thank you that a life lived with you is the best life that we can live even though there will be challenges. Thank you for Jesus. And as we go into this coming week, thank you that you have good plans for us and have gone ahead of us to prepare the way. Walk with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.